Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So what was it Lovey Smith used to say to, to, to me and Tom Jones when we'd have him on the radio when he was a coach of the Buccaneers? It was something like, uh, hey, now, don't, don't go leading the charge. Don't go sound on the alarm. Rick, don't go sound on the alarm. You know what they did in the Texans press conference introducing Lovey Smith as their head coach? The fire alarm went off. Now, That's now. Right. The f- now, now. <laughs> now, now. Don't go, don't go sound on the alarm. Uh, somebody sounded the alarm down there with the Houston Texans, and uh, some would say that that's already a dumpster fire. But hey, you know, ladies, let's. Uh, it's it's uh, it's you almost can't make this up, right? You almost can't write this script, right? Um, Love it. Were you Smith. discouraged that the fire alarm went off during your press conference? <laughs> discouraged. I go back to disappointed. Discouraged. I go back to disappointed that the fire alarm went. Off. Listen, I. I am. I, I never had a problem with Lovey Smith. I actually thought that at the time they hired him in Tampa Bay, that that was a smart hire because it was coming off the, you know, kind of Greg Schiano, Shawshank Schiano years, where it was a little crazy, and they needed some stability and they needed some return to normalcy. And Lovey gave them that. And then, of course, you know, uh, first year, kind of crazy. You know, Josh McCown, yeah, 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 in the crying game and all that. But you also had, um, you know, the drafting of Jameis Winston. Which, which was the year two as they tanked for the first overall pick uh, against New Orleans in the final game. That's neither here nor there. But so, you know, um, capable coach hasn't won since Chicago. That's been a few jobs ago. Didn't win in Tampa, obviously. Didn't win in Illinois. But, I, you know, I just – I got to believe that the more – you know, they, they sort of talked to Lovey about other coaches, and I'm sure they talked to him about, about Josh McCown, who they I think they wanted to hire, had no experience. It became apparent to them that, you know what, you know, you're the guy that we're kind of looking for, which is funny to me, again, because if he had all the answers, he could have shared them. But nonetheless, Lovey Smith uh, gets his third NFL head coaching job. Happy for him, Marianne, the family, good for them. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to last. I really don't. But you know, this is the direction they're going. So what are you going to do? So the NFL hiring season is over. What that means is it's racing season. That's right. The 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is February 25th through the 27th. It's presented by RP Funding. And we're joined now by Kevin Savary, the co-owner of the race. Kevin, we were just talking a little second before we came on. I can't believe this is the 18th annual Firestone Grand, Grand Prix of St. Pete. Um, one of the one of the greatest events, and I grew up in Tampa Bay, I'm telling you, um, we look forward to this every year. I know it got moved uh, to the fall because of COVID, but how excited are you to have it uh, kick off the Indy Series again here in the States? Thanks for having me, and, and obviously for sure, just uh, so excited to, you know, get back out there, be the first race of the season again, and, and uh, obviously worked uh, really hard with IndyCar to uh, make sure that that happened for 2022. And again, the event has so much history and, and so many great champions. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, IndyCar very, very much wanted to start their season here. So, um, you know, again, just, just really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, again, big field this year at least at least 26 entries so lots uh lots of indie cars that are going to be out here and um you know just again looking forward to um you know a, a great 2022 event so one of the one of the big new changes for this year is is a little bit of the change to the name so um we actually added a presenting sponsor this year so now it's the firestone grand prix of st petersburg presented by rp funding and uh, you know um that that company uh, has been out there really helping to promote the race this year and uh, actually not only here in Tampa Bay but uh, all the way 
all the way around the the state of Florida and and particularly the the I four quarter. So we're really looking forward to um, you know obviously a, a a big crowd this year. I think I think in a big way everybody's ready to get back out there, right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and uh, we are grateful to RP Funding for presenting uh, this race because, as I said, it's one of the uh, one of the key events in the Tampa Bay area and really throughout the world. Um, I don't have to tell you. I mean, you you talk about the large field. I mean, there are iconic drivers that have uh, have competed here, have won this race, um, and it's it's a street course that is so unique with the waterfront and just you know really highlights the beauty of uh, of the Tampa Bay area. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that that the the folks in IndyCar, the, the drivers, the teams are excited about not just starting it here, but like they. You know, this is a road course. This is a street course. You guys do such a great job of of manufacturing that thing, and it's 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 hard to put together. I mean, it's it takes what twenty five days to to lay the the, the you know the, all the concrete and the turns and all of that, right? Yeah. So uh, so literally, we've got the build time down now to twenty three days. Wow. And then four days for the event, and six days to tear it down. So. <laughs> pretty pretty crazy when you uh, when you think about it. So we're you know obviously uh, over the years we've become uh, super efficient and another local uh, Tampa Bay company Steps Towing and Steps Transport Todd Step and his team they've been a big part over the last several years of of helping us become more efficient in the build and and uh, their transport and freight team and um, again I, it, it's a busy city a busy downtown a busy Tampa Bay area so the 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 more that we can stay out of the way the 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 better for everyone and um you know that's that's what we truly try to do when uh, when we build this thing but um you know the guys the guys do a fantastic job um getting the track set up and you know literally by um by the Wednesday of of race week it'll uh, it'll be ready to go and and uh you know, again, not not only IndyCar, but the Road to Indy will be here. So Indy Lights, uh, two other Road to Indy series, um, and then um, one of the IMSA series, the uh, Mazda Miatas uh, MX-5. They'll they'll be here, and then uh, also SRO is back this year. Those are, you know, kind of the exotic sports cars. So lots of racing over over that three days. Lots of lots of great excitement. Um, you know, multiple races per day. So I, again, I think, I think the, you know, the, the on track action is going to be spectacular. We've got lots of exhibitors, lots of great food vendors, um, you know, horse soldiers, uh, uh, a local bourbon, uh, company, uh, that they, mm-hmm. they've joined us this year. So thrilled, thrilled to have them here. So you can come out and, uh, have, have a, have a sip of a great bourbon and, you know, what a, what a great story from, you know, some true American heroes and, and, uh, you know, again, um, got the stellar Stella pit in club for, uh, those of the ones that want to go grab a cold beer and watch the race. So just, uh, you know, something for everyone. We've got, uh, you know, literally at the North end of the racetrack, we've got a family fun zone with, you know, different, um, different exhibits and rides for the kids to enjoy. So literally when I say there's something for everyone, there really is. All right, we're going to shift gears, pun intended, back to football here for a second. And it looks like the Bucks won't have their entire coaching staff back for Bruce Arians, as every Bucks fan feared. That's right. It's coming true. It won't be Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich. Those two guys are back. Mike Caldwell, the Bucks inside linebackers coach, he's going to go be the defensive coordinator of your Jacksonville Jaguars. How about that? That's a good promotion for him. After 14 years as an assistant. In yeah. the NFL, get to be a defensive awesome. coordinator. So, yeah, I think it's terrific, and uh, not too far down the road for his family. I mean, they get—I don't know if they're going to live here or they're going to move up there, but whatever. So there is a uh, there is an opening now for Mike Caldwell that uh, the Bucks will have to have to fill. But listen, getting back Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles, I, I, I can't, I cannot, I cannot overstate how significant that is because they could have lost one or both, right? Bruce Arians had said he would call plays. I think that was sort of a you know wink, wink, nod, nod to Tom Brady if he wanted to stay. Um, he's not going to have to do that anymore. And and people ask me all the time like, why is Bruce coaching? You know, they're not going to win this year. Uh, uh, you know, he's going to be seventy. All this stuff. 
Well, the answer is, first of all, they have a good football team. And we'll see. Let's let's wait and find out who's going to be the quarterback. Hell, it might be Kyler Murray the way things are going. By the way, you can get, was it, plus 500. You can bet in Vegas about where Kyler Murray is going to play, and the Bucks are f- plus 500 for 2022. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, he's got his guys. And as long as he has his guys, Byron and Todd, who are going to – you know, write the scripts, call the defense, call the offense. Obviously, Bruce is still involved, um, you know, in, in all those meetings, but uh, particularly on offense, and he'll have the headset and all of that and veto plays if he needs to. Um, and it might be a different circumstance, obviously, depending on what quarterback it is. You're going to have to – you're going to assume, unless they were to get, you know, somebody like a Russell Wilson or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody out, you know, out of another team that has – played a lot of football you're going to assume that they're going to have to teach this person probably the offense um so there'll be a lot more managing going on but uh you know those are two of the best in the game i mean two of the best in the business in my opinion todd bowles really one of the best now we all you know if you're a bucks fan you have a sour taste in your mouth right now about todd bowles because how in the hell do you lose cooper cup and why in the hell do you call a zero blitz in that situation I still maintain it was the trip by Sean Murphy Bunting on the play before that messed everything up because if he if he doesn't fall down, he makes the tackle in bounds, and they don't have another play. But um, that being said, uh, Todd Bowles is still really one of the best to do it ever, and and Byron is growing each year. He's gonna like I said, he's gonna have a new quarterback, so it'll be uh, perhaps challenging whether that's Kyle Trask. Uh, not as challenging, you know, depending on on who they get, but. Um, but it's he's learned a lot of football. And you know, think about what Byron Leftwich learned these last two years. I th- I think he's going to benefit greatly from Tom Brady being here, seeing the game a different way, understanding you know the f- the full picture about how to win games, and that that's really what it is. While you're getting better, you have to find ways to win games in September and October and November until you get into the later months and try to get the best seed you can and win. And this NFC South is wide open, so um, getting those two gentlemen back you know, is enormous, enormous. It, it just, you know, they're, they're very fortunate in that aspect and unfortunate maybe for Byron and Todd, they didn't get a job, but I, I know both those guys want to get the right job at the right time. They don't want to just, you know, merely uh, uh, go someplace that's uh, going to get them fired in two or three years. And, and there's not a lot of synergy between the front office and the coaching staff. So, uh, you know, the Bucks keep all their guys. And when I say all their guys, I mean, I think they're all signed, um, through 2022, some through 2023, so they're in really good shape. If Tom Brady comes back, like like he hinted he might, <laughs> we'll see. Um, that was fun, by the way. I, en- I enjoyed the uh, NFL conspiracy podcast yesterday. I, I really like that. All right, we'll start the mailbag with the Mike Caldwell opening, and Joshua had asked, "Are the Bucks likely to promote from within?" I mean, that's what they want to do, and and you know they have a large staff, obviously that Bruce Arians relies on. They've done that in the past. I, I, we talked about, you know, if they had lost Byron Leftwich, how I thought Thaddeus Lewis might be a guy who's the assistant wide receivers coach that might get promoted to offensive coordinator. The only guy that's that's sort of in the pipeline, if you will, um, is Tim Atkins, who's their defensive quality control coach. He was with Todd Bowles uh, in a similar role with the New York Jets for several years. Now he's been down here. Uh, I don't know that he's ready to step in, you know, as an inside linebackers coach. I mean, you could just let Larry Foote just be the linebackers coach if you wanted to. They kind of split up those duties a little bit, you know, between inside and outside. Um, but they do have guys on the staff, and I, and I still think they would look to add too. You know, look, Bruce has coached so long that there's always players uh, trying to get into coaching, but typically you bring them in as a quality control. So this is an opportunity for Tim uh, if if they do if they are so inclined. Cody Grimm. Is also, uh, you know, in the mix. He, he right now he's helping with uh, defensive backs in particular safeties. I don't know that he would coach linebackers per se, but it, nothing would stop that, right? Just because he didn't play the position, he did play uh, safety in the NFL. Played for the Bucks, as a matter of fact. Uh, Russ Grimm's son. Everybody remembers him from the the Washington football team that then the Redskins. So, you know, they they have a, a large staff that definitely, uh, you know, could warrant some promotions there, or they could look outside, but. Um, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a significant loss. I mean, I think, you know, there's relationships you build, and Mike Caldwell was one of those guys that had known Devin White for a very long time, and he was Devin White's coach, and I think Devin's going to miss his voice, 
Um, Devin needs to, you know, bone up on more of the fundamentals and, and, and sort of, you know, quit guessing and do a lot more film work and use his instincts, but also do it in a smarter way. I think he's always trying to improve on that. I know Caldwell was trying to improve him on that. Um, but I'm excited for Mike because, you know, I think, you know, more of these guys get to be coordinators and then hopefully you get in the pipeline and they start hiring him as head coaches. And Mike's one of those guys I think would be a really good head coach. All right, building on the conspiracy theory show from yesterday, and you mentioned uh, Kyler Murray earlier, Craig in Vegas asked, will Jalen Darden have to give up his number one jersey to, to Kyler when he comes here? Well, the answer to that would be no, perhaps. It's probably yes on if he came here early enough before uh, training camp, it would be yes, he'd have to give it up. And it might be no because I don't know that Jalen Darden's going to make this football team next year. Listen, nothing against the kid. Um, you know, North Texas – you know, did a lot of great things. Terrific story. They they tried him, you know, as a kickoff return man. I think he struggled at best. I'm being very, you know, that's an understatement of understatements. I thought that they hurt themselves in the last few games, especially against the Rams in the playoff game. They were they had horrible field position. Now you could say, well, some of that was the blocking, no doubt. But Darden doesn't look to me to be physical enough. You have to have a certain amount of physicality and speed it can't all be speed if you're just going to run to daylight there's not a lot of daylight out there there's some skinny holes that you have to hit and you have to be stout enough and and gutty enough to you know to to hit up in there inside sometimes uh and 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 you're going to get blasted a few times i never was comfortable the way darden returned kickoffs punt returns i thought he did okay um he had one of the longest ones of the year they got him on the edge one time and i think that accounted for probably half of his punt return yardage on the season. It was over 40 yards. But as a receiver, didn't show me anything. Uh, he's a smallish guy. Um, dropped some balls early. You know, they used him on some jet sweeps and reverses. Again, hard worker, love the kid. Just don't know that he's their best. You know, I, I think you got to get better. I think I think special teams were not good last year. And that's, you know, probably for some a number of reasons. Injuries was one. Bradley Pinion got hurt for a while. Uh, he was kind of spotty, to say the least. You know, you saw, you know, I mean, they, they, they all can get better. Just, and there was nothing to, to speak of in the return game. So, yeah, if if Jalen Darden is still on this football team and Kyler Murray, as part of the conspira- NFL Conspiracy podcast, comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where you can get him at plus 500 in Las Vegas, coming to the Bucks, then absolutely, if Kyler wants number one, Kyler gets number one. All right, Greg had tweeted us. He says, I'll just put this out there since we're in the silly offseason for the Bucks. At the 2000 Pro Bowl, after the Bucks were beaten by the Rams, Keyshawn Johnson had spoke to Warren Sapp about joining the Bucks. Could Russell Wilson be doing the same thing now with Tampa Bay? This reminds me a little bit of everything comes back to a few good Bucks or a few good men, but we call it a few good Bucks. And that is, you know, when you go to Pro Bowls, guys talk and, you know, off the record, on the record. I mean, they spend time together in the casinos, especially in Las Vegas. But it's like that scene where he goes, you know, they asked Jack Nicholson, you know, do code reds happen here? If you ask me, do code reds happen on the record? I say we discourage the practice. Off the record, I say it's a valuable retraining tool. Well, that's what happens at Pro Bowls. Off the record, hell yes, they recruit. Absolutely, they do. Now, the problem is if you're under contract, you're under contract. It's not like you're talking to Jason Light at the Pro Bowl. You're just talking to another player. But, you know, that that Pro Bowl community, that player community, uh, I want to know what it's like to, to play in Tampa. I want to know what Bruce Arians is about. I want to know how Tom Brady won a Super Bowl so quickly there. Maybe I'd like to win another Super Bowl if I'm Russ Wilson um, you know, or Kyler Murray. Maybe that's why Kyler Murray took all his Cardinals stuff down after he threw a touchdown pass to Mike Evans, I think. So – Yes, they, they do. They'll, they'll sit out by the pools with families. They'll get to know each other. Um, they'll get their numbers. They text during the season. Uh, you know, none of this stuff, it's like anything else, right? It's, it's life. And even though, again, if Russ Wilson, Russell Wilson wants to come to Tampa Bay or any place, he's, first he's got to figure out a way to get out of Seattle. But in as much as guys asking other guys, hey, what's it like? You know, and is this a place that I would fit in? Is this, you know, how good is your team? 
who's coming back. I mean, you have a lot of questions, right? If you're anticipating leaving and it's all done in the, in the dark, but you know, what, what's done in the dark usually comes to the light. So I would imagine that more than a few players, then there were nine of them. Uh, they didn't all go. Obviously Tom didn't go. Tristan Wirfs went and didn't play. So there were eight Buccaneers out there. That's a large contingent for recruiting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a pretty heavy uh, bunch of, of, uh, Pro Bowl players that can can kind of spread out and talk to a lot of people on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, my guess is, uh, you know, they they did a little bit of that out there, and we'll see, you know, who Jason Light and Bruce Arians want ultimately. But um, sure, why not? <laughs> All right, Les had tweeted, Rick, please list the priority top three in which Jason Light will try and re-sign these free agents: Chris Godwin, Ryan Jensen, Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, Jason Pierre-Paul, Rob Gronkowski. He says, I think Jensen might be more important than Godwin. Your thoughts? No, I disagree. I mean, they, they've got a young young player that they like, and I'm not saying he's he's Jensen because Jensen had his best year. Um, but they got uh, Robert Hainsey, who they drafted out of Notre Dame, that they're they're grooming to be a center or a guard in this league. So if they were to lose Alex Kappa or Jensen um, – I think that might be the way they go. For me, um, I kind of put Gronkowski in his own category. I don't think he's a priority or not a priority. You'd love to have him, but you don't have Tom Brady to go with him. So um, what does that mean? Well, the the same sort of synergy, the same sort of connection is not going to be there with a new quarterback. doesn't mean he can't help you because he absolutely can. He's still the greatest tight end in, in, in NFL history, in my opinion. But... I think that's one of those that that's a bonus, right? Like you'd have to find the eight or nine million it would take if he said, Hey, I want to play again. I mean, you would, and you would do it in a heartbeat, but that one, I don't think you kind of put in like, Hey, we got to sign Rob Gronkowski. Where does he fit in with all these free agents? Is he one, two or three? Uh, I don't, I, I just think he's his own case. You just wait for Rob much like you would, you know, obviously Tom Brady was a priority, but Brady had, had a decision to make. So does Gronkowski. And for my money, uh, if I were, Betting, I, I would say Gronk probably goes out with Tom Brady, and it's the Tommy and Gronky show at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in class of 2027, whenever that is, in five years. So, you know, to me, Chris Godwin is the priority, to me. Um, because you saw the incredible fall off once he got hurt, once he, he tore up his ACL. Now, the downside is he tore up his ACL, and he may or may not be completely ready to go opening day of next year. You might have to wait halfway into September, beginning of October. I don't know. So they still could franchise him again. Uh, he probably wouldn't like that for the very reason that he, how he got hurt. You know, he could have gotten a big payday last year if they get him a four-year extension. He could have had, you know, $70, $80 million guaranteed. And then no matter what happens, if you get hurt, so what? But now he's had that lesson pounded into him. You know, he took the took the franchise tag, signed it, and then went out there and got his knee torn up, and now he could get another one. But he's the priority to me. The other the other part of this, I think, um, and you could go a lot of different ways after that, I just think Carlton Davis is a big piece. And, and Carlton's had some injuries too, and so I, I think he's going to have a huge market because cover corners in this league, even though he doesn't have great hands, and, and if he did, he'd probably have 10 interceptions a year. But he's a guy that can travel with your best receiver. He's long, um, and he's he's a shutdown corner uh, in as much as, you know, there's probably, you can count him on one hand in the league that can do that. I think he's underrated, uh, to be honest with you. And I, I think that this secondary, with all the injuries they had a year ago, you really saw the fall off, right? When, I mean, we're going, you know, to Richard Sherman off the off the couch, with all due respect to Richard Sherman, Uh you know, he gave you his his three best games and it was over. But I, I think that you need to start there. I think if your pass rush is gonna work, you may not have JPP, you're gonna it's 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 you know, combination of rush and coverage, you better have you Carlton Davis. You know? After that, one of the guys that I was impressed with that I think they should absolutely try to get back and and fairly soon. I mean I, I would go you know, then then I would go to the offensive line. I'd go to Jensen um, or Kappa, you know, Jensen being a priority, I think, over Kappa, but that that's sort of where I would go next. After that, um, 
I think Jordan Whitehead's a piece that people underestimate. I, I think that guy um, was coming on and playing some of the best ball that I've seen, especially at that you know box safety position when you come downhill and support the run. I mean, he was a force and creating turnovers and intercepting balls and, and causing fumbles and things. I think Whitehead's another big piece to this defense. So if you could, you know, if you could keep those guys together, I mean, there are so many more, right? Um, JPP people will say, well, what about him? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you did draft Joe Tryon, Shawinka. Um, what is JPP going to want? Is he going to play again? You know, we we asked him after the season, and he said, well, I'm not sure. You know, I've got to get surgery on my shoulder. He had the torn labrum that he played with all year. Um, he's played a lot of football, man, and he's got a lot of pieces laid all over the NFL. So I, I don't know that he's going to come back and play again. Uh, and even if he does – Am I putting somebody in front of Joe Tryon, Chowinka, and that prevents me from evaluating what I have in him as a full-time player because he's only going to get better by being on the field. And he was on the field a lot after, you know, the injury to JPP. So, I, I, you know, I don't know that, that maybe he's as big a priority. I mean, look, there's a lot of free agents. I think 11 or 12 of the starters in the final game um, were free, are free agents this year. But then seven of the nine Pro Bowlers are not. So they still have a pretty good core of their team. But definitely get Godwin back because you're not deep at receiver. Last year proved that, you know, with all due respect to Rashard Perriman and, you know, um, all those guys, I, I, think you need, I think you need some receivers. You may see them draft a receiver fairly early, but you definitely want Godwin back. All right, Greg had asked. Will Tom Brady be eligible for the Bucks Ring of Honor? And if so, when could it be installed? This is funny because you, you were just talking about this before we went on. Like, they, it, it's not up already. I mean, we haven't been by the stadium, but you're right, Steve. Those, those letters should be being pounded out somewhere, right? Um, and maybe, he, maybe by September he decides to continue playing. I don't know. That would be the only thing that would stop it. But I wouldn't waste any time. I mean, he's absolutely. The question is... When does the statue go up? You know, how long do we got to wait for the unveiling? Because, you know, to me, and I got the perfect one. Like, I wouldn't do, you know, the, the traditional Peyton Manning, arm cocked, uniform, all that. I would recreate the tossing of the Lombardi Trophy over the Hillsborough River. Absolutely. I think I would literally, you know, had they have Buccaneer Beach there, sort of in the, in the uh, south end zone. They built, you know, that sand and the big mm-hmm. lawn chairs and all that. Buccaneer Beach, whatever they call it, the... Corona Club, Corona, I don't know, whatever it is. But they got sand, they got all this stuff. What I would do is I would dig a trench through there. I'd fill it with water like it was a river. It would be a, it would be a you know, an active river that would pump water through there. And then I would have Brady in a boat tossing that thing, you know, um, and, and, and then Cam Brake getting ready to catch it on the other boat. And then you got Vivi yelling, no! You know, that, like that, that scene would be awesome, you know? It'd be great. I Avocado, agree. tequila, Tom. That, that's how I would commemorate what mm-hmm. he did here. Why isn't it named Tom Brady Field at Raymond James Stadium? I mean, let's go. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, think, I think they're saving that for, uh, for maybe Malcolm. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might be a little much. They do that in college, though. You know, they have Steve Spurrier's Field at mm-hmm. uh, Florida, whatever. Steve Spurrier, yeah, grass. I don't know. But – uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get his day or days, but then again, is he really retired? You know, right now he is, but in six months he doesn't know how he's gonna feel. I know how he's gonna feel. He's gonna feel like playing. You know, it's gonna feel like, and and for that matter, his wife might feel like he should play too. We don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that TB12 brand goes. All right, UK Bucks tweeted. Do you think this is the year that Rondé Barber gets into the Hall of Fame? You know, uh, it could be, uh, and, and he's deserving, and I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, this was not a class that had a lot of, you know, surefire. This is an interesting class. They don't have a lot of surefire first ballot guys, right? Um, Tony Baselli, who has been one of the last remaining offensive linemen when, when I was in that room as an alternate several years back, five, six years ago, um, Baselli was a group of about seven or eight offensive linemen. that You knew they all were going to go in the Hall of Fame. And he's still there. Now, he only played eight or nine years because of injuries. Um, I think he makes it just because there is sort of a, a, a cue, if you will, about 
how long guys how many times you've been a finalist and your odds go up obviously uh each time you're you know debated um among the 15 finalists i think i mean there's a there's just so many guys that are, they're really you know uh there was a big uh i mean bryant bryant young's a guy you know from the san francisco 49ers that was underrated i saw zach thomas and i'm not, I'm not a zach thomas guy i don't know if he's a Hall of Fame player, but he's going to get some run, there could be some. My point is, there could be some surprises. Tory Holt's in there, right? Um, Reggie Wayne. I mean, Reggie Wayne. I could see him being a Hall of Famer. So Rondi fits in there. I, I just, I don't know that he gets to the final five. I mean, it's five modern day players, and that's it. And sometimes you get to ten, and then they they vote on that, and they narrow it down to five. And none of us will know until NFL Honors on Thursday night in Los Angeles is a great TV show award show. And, um, I think the players know because by now they would have knocked on their door and told them and everything, but it's very hush hush. So it's hard to predict. But my guess is that, that Rondi might need another year, but then again, it would not, you know, th- th- this is the year for surprises. Let's just say that. I think though, I think there's going to be a couple and I would love it if he was one of them. He absolutely is a hall of fame player. Uh, Leroy Butler is another name, you know, that's that's in in there as a finalist that Ronnie will be competing against. So there's there's a lot of really good. Obviously, Richard Seymour, I think, is somebody that's could get in this year because he's been on the cuffs. He's been on the final 10 before um, this could be his year. So just really hard to predict. But my my if I had to make a prediction, I would say it's probably not his year. Um, but I think he's really getting close to it. All right. Speaking of Hall of Fame, Wesley had emailed us. He said, you said on your last mailbag segment that Matt Stafford was not a Hall of Famer, even if he won the Super Bowl. I wanted to get your thoughts on these three quarterbacks as to who belongs in the Hall, if you could only choose one. Quarterback number one, 165 games, 165 TDs, 32,000 yards, 141 interceptions. Quarterback number two, 182 games, 323 touchdowns, 50,000 yards, 161 interceptions. And quarterback three, 178 games, 227 TDs, 41,000 yards, 144 INTs. Well, I'm going to assume that a couple of those guys are probably Hall of Fame players. Um, look, Matt Stafford has the numbers, and, and I think had he been someplace other than Detroit, and I know one loss is not a, a stat that people um, really is fair to put on the quarterback, but they do keep that number. Mm-hmm. And he was 0-3 in the postseason until this year. Um, if he wins one Super Bowl, maybe. Um, but go ahead and tell me, like, uh, which well, one he, he was? Which qu- one was he? Quarterback number two, the three hundred twenty-three okay. touchdowns, fifty thousand yards, one hundred sixty-one okay. ints. Yeah. Quarterback number three, hundred seventy-eight games, two hundred twenty-seven TDs, forty-one thousand yards, one hundred forty-four ints. That's Joe Flacco. Yeah, well, he's not a Hall of Famer. Those stats are a lot better than quarterback number one. Yeah, those stats are a lot better than quarterback number one. Yeah, they're better. They're better. And the first one was Aikman, is that right? Correct. 165 games, 165 TDs. I would just say this. I mean, and Flacco kind of caught the end of that. Um, Stafford's still playing, so he's benefited from the rule change. Look, when Troy Aikman was getting blasted, and I mean blasted and had to retire because of concussions, same with Joe Montana and those guys. I mean, the game was different, man. You just if you're just looking at pure numbers, if you're just going to say this guy had more yards than this guy, well, then I guess Cooper Cup is the greatest receiver of all time. He's better than Jerry Rice because he had more catches than Jerry Rice in a season, and he had more yards. He had almost two thousand yards if you count the, or he did have two thousand yards if you count the postseason. Cooper Cup is the greatest receiver who ever lived. You know, I mean, I don't think you can. It's really hard to do that the way the game has evolved. You know, Troy Aikman, I think, attempted 26 passes in the Super Bowl and completed like 23 of them, but he won three Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. Three. You know, Stafford has bupkis. He has zero. So if he gets this one on an all-star team, then that's what it is. You know, and again, Tom Brady had an all-star team in Tampa last year. Nobody's going to discount that, but Tom Brady had won six others with some mediocre talent on offense in New England. Hall of Fame coach. For sure, great defense, um, but not not elite receivers. Other than the year you had Randy Moss and he went nuts, so they didn't win the Super Bowl that year. And they didn't win it. Yeah, they 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 lost to the Giants after they had won 
you know, 17, went 17 and 0. But I just, I don't, I don't know that he's there yet. Don't know that he's there yet. You know, and, and look, maybe those are all good stats and I, I appreciate the, you know, the email and, and, and people going to that much trouble. I would re- I would consider it. If he wins this week on Sunday, if he wins on Sunday, I would I think he gets consideration. But it, there's a lot of guys with one. There just is. You win two, you put yourself in a totally different category altogether. You're just different. You know, Brad Johnson won one. I'm not saying this guy's Brad Johnson. I I've always thought Matthew Stafford was underrated because he was buried in Detroit. But he also, you know, he had some pretty good players up there. Calvin Johnson was a pretty good guy to throw to for years and years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. I'm just kind of – I'm not sure. I think if you have to think about it, I really – this is what I believe about Hall of Fame players. If you got to go, yeah, if, if you got to stop just that little bit, it's not the Hall of Great. It's the Hall of Fame. And if we're going to talk about numbers, go look at Joe Namath's. They're terrible. Okay? How would he make the Hall of Fame? Well, what – you know, at the time he played, what kind of impact did he have on the game? And, and beating – upsetting the – you know, the Baltimore Colts and Don Shula um, when the Jets did it, first AFC team to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that that was historic, you know. Um, it, it's just beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but the game has evolved, and I don't think you can just look at pure numbers. Although I think Stafford is as talented as, as many, many, many quarterbacks that get a lot more acclaim than he has until he got to L.A. I always look at Hall of Fame is did you dominate your sport or your position for at least a couple seasons? I mean, you know, considered, if not the best, one of the best. You know, Aikman was in his time. And he won three Super Bowls, too. Yeah. Tom Brady has been considered. Aaron Rodgers has been considered. Has Matthew Stafford ever been considered the best quarterback in the league or right up there for, you know, a couple seasons in a row? I mean, tremendous talent. And, and a lot of it's the team he's on too. I'm, sh- you know, yeah, um, you know the 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 record and and the defense and all that doesn't help him there. And you know, in, in a couple of years in L.A., that, that narrative may change. It might, particularly if Aaron Rodgers retires, Tom Brady's retiring allegedly. You know, all these others, he might become the elite quarterback in the league. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the talent too, and he's got talent right. around him out there in L.A. Right. But when you look at those names and you see, and, and again, different eras, right? Like Bradshaw won four and he didn't throw for many yards. Mm-hmm. And, but, but like when you start saying, you know, John Elway, who, you know, didn't win until his last two years in Denver, I guess. Um, Peyton Manning, Roger Staubach, you know, soon to be Ben, ben Roethlisberger, Matt Stafford. <sighs> I, I just know, I don't know that I put him in that category. And again, he might be purely the victim of circumstance. But, I mean, Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl, but nobody questioned whether he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, Dan Marino was dominant. Dan Marino was unbelievable, even though they did they went to one and lost to Joe Montana. But it it just, I, I think he falls a little short, in my opinion. And again, this is the great thing about, you know, about debating this these topics. Um, and he has a chance. His career is not over. That's the other great thing is like he can write history right now. Now, if he loses. Okay, if he loses the biggest game, and let's say he doesn't play well, right? How how does that change how you feel about him? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Jared Goff lost this game for the Rams too, you know, and lost to the Patriots in a low scoring affair. We couldn't score, you know, three touchdowns or two touchdowns to win. So, you know what what have they really accomplished if they get there and lose? You know, I. There's still history to be written, and that's why it's hard to do it until you have all the information. But right now, I'm I, I'm still a no, I'm still kind of a no. I could be swayed, but I'm still kind of a no. Hey, coming up in just a couple of weeks, it's the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, presented this year by RP Funding. Happens February 25th through the 27th. That temporary circuit. It's a 1.8 mile, 14 turn configuration, and they uh, of course use the streets of St. Pete. They circle Pioneer Park the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Daly Museum, and it extends all the way onto the runways at Albert Witted Airport. Visit gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, George tweeted us, shouldn't Mike Evans win Walter Payton Man of the Year Award this week? He does great charity work off the field, but he's the only player I know to give away so many prized historical footballs in my lifetime. <laughs> that is charity. I mean, that is definitely charity. I mean, look what he got that guy for, you know, Tom Brady's 600th, right? Um, he made out okay. By the way, I'm still waiting for I'm still waiting for the email. It's like that you know how they have these guys that or or or, or gals that that uh, you you know they'll be like a Powerball, and it's always funny to me because it's like Powerball this week is five hundred million dollars, and then you decide to play because then it's like, well, wait a minute, it's normally what two million? Yeah, you know I'm not gonna bother. What two, three, four, ten millions? Not enough. No, it's four hundred fifty. Now I'm playing. It's four hundred fifty million. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for to get a text from somebody that says. I have Tom Brady's last touchdown pass because Mike Evans gave it away. Mm-hmm. To me, isn't doesn't that wouldn't that far? Of course, we don't know if it's his last touchdown pass because you know he could come back six months from now and better sell to play the football again. before he throws another one. <laughs> exactly, that's what's before he throws another two hundred. That's what I'm thinking. But right now, somebody has that ball. Like somebody has the Powerball ticket. The winner. Bought it at a quickie food store in Joplin, Missouri. You know what I mean? And no one's coming forward. But you know somebody's got it if they didn't lose it in the wash. Um, and that's the way I feel about this six hundred or this uh, final touchdown uh, pass that Brady threw to Mike Evans, who who gives him away like it's uh, like a Peds dispenser. I mean, he just hands footballs to everybody, which, by the way, they got to pay for. But this one, I mean – was he thinking that there were going to be? Well, I guess he thought they were going to overtime. I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe he thought there were more touchdowns and more games for Tom Brady. But maybe somebody got that re- ball. He was going to retire. He thought he he's playing next year. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that that very well might have been his mentality. But I'll tell you what. There's somebody. I wonder. I, I assume they know that they're that they're sitting on gold, Jerry. They may not. I mean, they. I mean, they may not realize it. But I mean, like, hey, if you got that football, folks. You know, go to your, I don't know where you'd go, but, you know, go to your sports memorabilia dealer now mm-hmm. because that, that baby's worth something. Maybe Tom, maybe Tom would like that one back. I don't know. All right. PJB tweeted us. Do you think Aaron Donald is better than Warren Sapp in his prime? Are you kidding me? Do you think I'm going to sit here on this podcast and, and welcome a phone call from Warren Sapp if I go with Aaron Donald over Sap right now, you think I'm going to do that? Are you crazy? Are you crazy? I think Aaron Donald's a terrific player, one of the best that's ever lived, no question, defensive tackle, uh, defensive player of the year multiple times, all that. I've had this conversation with Sap, and, of course, he's biased towards himself, but I think there's some truth to this. I don't think Aaron Donald plays the run. I don't think he ever tries to play the run, you know? And – the big moments, like, you know, Sapp played in some really big games and, 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 and produced in those games. Um, still waiting. I, you know, I'm not – I mean, Aaron Donald still doesn't have a, a Super Bowl championship. You know, and Sapp, Sapp has that rare uh, triple crown that very few defensive tackles have. And that is, you know, he's got a defensive player of the year um, – which, uh, you know, and, and he's, and then the, there's a sack total involved with that. It's over 90 or close to 100, whatever it is. Um, he was an all decade player as well, which obviously, you know, that, that's not a problem. Um, but I think the other thing is he won a Super Bowl. So, you know, find me those players that won a Super Bowl. Oh, he led, he did, did he lead the league in sacks one year? He had 16 and a half, I think. I don't know if he led the league. He might have. Um, but defensive player of the year, um, all decade, and Super Bowl champion. Like those three things, 
are really tough to find in a defensive tackle. And right now, Aaron Donald's waiting on that Super Bowl. He doesn't have it. And and winning is a big part of it. You got to lead your team when you get to that game. You know, you're the leader. You're the best player on the field. You're the leader of that defense. Now, I think he showed up in the NFC Championship game because uh, they were going to lose that game to San Francisco, and he had that meeting on the sideline. Different guys altogether, right? But I think we forget how great Warren Sapp was. I mean, Warren Sapp, I mean, he was a force, man. He was just a force of personality, a force on the field, could do anything. Hell, he caught touchdown passes from the tight end position. You know, I mean, such a great athlete, such great feat. I'm, I'm going to always be biased because I saw his whole career. I haven't seen Aaron Donald's whole career. I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen all of it. Um, I just think Sapp was a better overall player. And I know what he meant to what was one of the best defenses for more than a decade. I don't think you could say that about the Rams. You know, they're very good. They've been very good. They're really good this year. But you can't say that they were dominant the way the Tampa Bay defenses were under Monty Kiffin for about 10 or 12 years. And that was because of Warren Sapp. And then they added Simeon Rice and, of course, Brooks. And, you know, they're both – look, they're both first ballot Hall of, Fame play, Hall of Fame players. Sapp was. Certainly Donald will be. And Donald will probably finish with better numbers. But then again, it became a passing league. Um, you know, guys are dropping back a lot more than when Warren played. And Warren had to play a lot of run. He had Barry Sanders to worry about, for God's sakes. You know, um, just a different time. All right, we got two more questions, and we'll wrap it up. David had tweeted, For obvious reasons, Brian, Brian Flores is not going to be the head coach right now. But if he had been hired, wouldn't he have had the complete respect and buy-in from the players in his locker room? Wouldn't that have been a win for the entire organization? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Brian, you know, would have that respect whether he had sued the league or not. But obviously he took a stance that he knew was going to hurt him because he was a finalist for several jobs, including um, the Houston Texans, and didn't get it. And I think, you know, and again, you can't – look, the Houston Texans, Texans have one of the very few African-American head coaches now in Lovey Smith, but – um, Brian still put out his representatives still put out a statement that said they thought that job was his uh, until he sued the league. And I think there's probably some truth to that. I mean, we're not naive enough to think that, like, you know, if you come to apply for a job with my company and then you're also a litigant against my company, I'm probably not going to hire you. So I think he would have had to respect just because he's a really good coach. I mean, you know, you had back to back winning seasons in Miami and that hasn't happened. You can't. He got the quarterback he didn't want in Tua Tungavaloa. Um, they started, they were, I think they were 0-7 at one point, then they won seven in a row. And if you believe him, the owner wanted to pay him $100,000 to lose a game. You know, every game he lost, he wanted to pay him hundred grand, which is just counterintuitive to the whole process. So I think he has the respect. He has a lot more respect, I think, throughout the league because he put himself out there. I mean, he absolutely jeopardized his chances of ever being a head coach again. If you don't believe me, um, Colin Kaepernick never never got to play quarterback again either. And he took a stance on something. Now, he didn't sue the league. Well, he eventually won a lawsuit against the league or got settled out of court, I guess. But, yeah, I, I think Brian Flores, in a league that's 75% African-American, um, if you've got a lead, it's about the leader of men. If you've got a leader of men that can, you know, of color that can relate to those guys, absolutely. I mean, they walk in there with that. I think most head coaches have the respect of their players, no matter what race they are. Um, but, but Brian had done it. He had done it and he, and he was successful in Miami. He, I, I don't, I'm not sure why he got fired there. Uh, I do absolutely believe he deserved another head coaching job just based on his resume and what he had done in new England, what he had done in, in Miami. Who knows now if that'll ever come, but um, respect of his players, respect of the league, um, you know, just just go on and read about it. I mean, everybody um, appreciates his courage, and that's the word you hear a lot, um, but they appreciate his courage of, of, of pointing out the obvious, you know, and, and he had a story to tell. And whether you believe his story and, and you know, the league is fighting it and the Giants are fighting it and, um, you know, uh, the Denver Broncos are fighting it. And the stories he told about his interviews and, and things that occurred, you know, for him are personal to him. And I think they're important stories, you know, and, and now the league is Roger Goodell has said, this is not, this can't stand. We got, we, we, we have to do better. Like this is not acceptable. So we'll see where it goes from here, but 
Yeah, he'd have been well-respected by the Texans, no question. It's amazing how you segue into our final question. Scott had emailed. He says, I know almost nothing about football, but I'm wondering if there's even a 1% chance the Bucks might talk to Colin Kaepernick. I know he's considered the third rail of pro football by some, but if the Bucks can employ players who have beaten their wives and girlfriends and are otherwise violated the law, it's not clear to me why they wouldn't consider someone who lawfully expressed a political opinion. Well, I, I think the only reason now they wouldn't do it is simply because Colin Kaepernick hadn't played football in so long. I mean, nobody, nobody would even um, you know, imagine what his skill set would be at, at this point. Um, so I think the ship has sailed just from the standpoint of what am I watching? Am I going to work him out? Like what? You know, what, what What could he bring to my football team? He was a different type of quarterback. I heard this a lot, and I thought it was an excuse, but when he was um, sort of being blackballed, um, and I couldn't believe that somebody wouldn't take him at least as a backup or a number three, I heard, well, you know, you really got to change the system. You know, it's not it's not everybody's system. I mean, he runs around a lot. He does, you know, they do a lot of things with him. Well, you know, they've been doing it in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson for a while. You know, they, there are teams that, can adapt to what Kaepernick's skills are. But I think in his case, he's too far removed from actually playing. Um, there's there's too many uh, good quarterbacks that are probably better choices. But no question, um, he did he deserve one of the 90 spots in the NFL if, if, if every team carried three quarterbacks? Absolutely he did. And his political views, uh, and was later an out-of-court settlement, I think, with the league. I think it was discriminatory. I don't know if it was collusion. But that was one that only the owners can make that call. I mean, that's that's not even if you were a GM or coach that wanted Colin Kaepernick at that time, as controversial as the protests and kneeling and the flag and all that. Um, only the owners could make that decision, and none of them really wanted him. So that's why I wasn't there. So no, the answer to your question, Scott, is there is a less than one percent chance. And in, in fact, whatever whatever a decimal just above 1% or just, you know, just above 0% is probably what it is because it's not going to happen. Just a reminder, the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg presented by RP Funding. That's happening February 25th through the 27th. It's one of the best events in Tampa Bay, and it kicks off the IndyCar Series broadcast on NBC starting at 1230 on Sunday. Just a beautiful course, of course, a street race. Uh, extends all the way on to Albert Wooded Airport with a grandstand there. If you want information for the race or for tickets, go to gpstpete.com. That's gpstpete.com. Thanks for all your mailbag questions. We uh, hope we answered them 100% correctly as guaranteed. And thanks for listening. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. 